Welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we beat a dead, uh, you know what, let's just go with camel, where we beat a dead camel 1d6 damage at a time. I'm Jeff, joined as always by my co-host John, and this week we're going upriver as we bring you Dark Continent, a role-playing game set in the 1880s that is the uh, guide to exploring and subjugating sub-Saharan Victorian Africa. If that sounds like a terrible idea and a horrible minefield, well, well, anyway, System Mastery. And welcome back. I'm Jeff, joined as always by my co-host, John. John, how are you? I'm good. I'm full of cheese, and I'm ready to go. Yeah, you've just been in Wisconsin for a couple of days. Hell yeah, I have, and I brought cheese back with me. Yeah, I've already tried a piece of that curd that you brought back, that garlic and dill cheddar cheese curd. Yeah. That is, uh, that's some surprisingly mild cheese. Well, curds are very mild. Yes. Like... I've only ever had curds, like cheese curds, like deep fried before. That was the first time I ever tried just a cheese curd out of a bag. Which also, let me tell you, the actual deep fried cheese curds in Wisconsin are amazing. <laughs> you had that there too? Because here, here they, they're basically just like tiny mozzarella sticks. Yes. Yeah. But... Uh, How are they doing them differently? It's still just a curd in a, in a batter. Yeah, but it's... I don't know. I think it's the batter they use. You think it's just tastier because it's cold? Like, I remember when I, think I was... it's just fresh, is the thing. When I was in New York, I ate one of them street hot dogs, and it was like 14 degrees outside. <laughs> and it was like, this is the best hot dog I've ever eaten. And I think it was just because I was eating something hot. Yeah. Well, I mean, the... I think the highest it ever got when I was in Wisconsin was 42 degrees. Right. So. Well, we went to, last time I was in New York, we were there during a December when it was snowing in Manhattan. Nice. And it was always, it was very pretty. We had a place right by Central Park and we would go out to Central Park and it was like snowing on it. It was like the coolest looking thing. Uh, But ultimately, anytime you got street food and it was snowing and it was fucking slushy and terrifying out in Manhattan, the food was, I got a bag of burned up nuts, like just... (laughs) Just oh yeah, that'll happen when you go to New York. You're gonna get a bag of burned up nuts. You now, know not, what I mean? Yeah, you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna find some street lady, and then you're gonna get yourself a bag of burned up nuts. Most authentic nuts east of the whatever. Yeah, look, you're going to Manhattan. You're gonna go on at a corner of Fifth and Twenty Seventh, and there, my friend, you're gonna get a bag of burned up nuts. <laughs> so, but even then, these burned uh, like hot nuts were still awesome because it was so cold. Yeah. So I think that might be part of it. I it mean, was so cold. You were like, look, I just need these hot nuts on me. <laughs> I got to get these hot nuts up all up on me. I just got to grab hold of these hot nuts and then put them in my mouth. <laughs> I got to so swaddle, swaddle myself in the warmth and moisture of hot nuts. Yep. That was it. Yep. You're right. You got it. You got it in, <laughs> in two, John. You, you brought us home. <laughs> Finally got there. <laughs> anyway, uh, so you had a good time in Wisconsin. You went, oh, you went to the, the House on the Rock. From oh, the, yeah. yeah. If you uh, have never heard of the House on the Rock, it is amazing. If you've read American Gods... I was going to say, that's all I know about it is what's in American Gods. Yeah, if you've read American Gods, then you'll know that it's a... Basically, it's like every tourist trap combined into one. Because mm-hmm. it's like every room is what would be a tourist trap in some other place, but it's like 50 different rooms. Right. Uh, it is amazing. Go check some pictures out, but seriously, it is just the best. How far is it from Milwaukee? Uh, about two hours. 
So it's about a two-hour drive, even once you get to Milwaukee now, in the first place. Isn't Milwaukee an Indian name? Oh, yes, I believe. I, I believe it is, but I'm not sure what it means, I'm afraid. Oh, it is Algonquin for the good land. Oh, man, this guy knows how to party, huh? <laughs> I have to say, I probably did that once every couple hours. <laughs> See, I engaged with you on a little Wayne's World riffing just now, but I got to imagine how pissed off your family was after a couple of minutes. Oh, it was, it was like my, the Scruff McGruff thing in Chicago <laughs> where I just couldn't stop doing it. And I was just like, dude, John, no, stop saying Scruff McGruff. And after like four days, I was still like, Scruff McGruff, Chicago, Illinois, 60652. Nope, please stop. Please, <laughs> please never say Scruff McGruff again. <laughs> So, uh, let's see. So, you had a good time in Wisconsin. I spent the time just hanging around here, kind of hemming and hawing about whether or not I should uh, release that terrible Expounded Universe episode that we did. God, that, the, the sound that day when we recorded some episodes was uh, real bad. So, thankfully, though, and this is something we wanted to get right into, a couple of, of uh, listeners took note of our, our terrible sound. I think it, more than a couple listeners well, took no, note I, of our terrible I, sound. Everyone was fully aware of our terrible sound. What I mean is a couple of them did things about it. <laughs> so a few people upgraded their pa- their uh, patron response or Patreon goal uh, c- contributions and whatever. I don't know. I'm not speaking English right now. Quit ah. narrowing your eyes at me. <laughs> I'm out of practice. <laughs> Just squinting real hard at you. <laughs> You're hurting me with your narrowed <laughs> eyes. I'm going to shoot little beams of ruby laser at me out of those. What's going on? <laughs> Man, so... One listener, we got we got special thanks has to go out to uh, to Charles, who didn't just help. He bought us a new whole soundboard. Oh yeah, we are on an entirely new, much sexier board. Yeah, it's it's a step up from our old one. Uh, thankfully, technology seems to have improved in the time in the three years since we bought the other one. Yeah, you hear that old board? We've got a new board, and it's younger and hotter. <laughs> we don't miss you at all. So uh, so, what are you doing this weekend though? <laughs> Yo, you up? <laughs> no new phone who dis <laughs> new board who dis <laughs> so special thanks to charles for for the amazing gift of a new soundboard oh yeah absolutely incredible uh, you, thank you guys you. have no idea how much i was jury rigging the old board to keep it running <laughs> I, it was mostly screwdrivers and duct tape at this it, point it was just random parts off amazon and then just seeing if they would work <laughs> just like i'll just plug it into this thing all right let's see if that makes sound good come yes i i went down to the auto zone and i just grabbed parts and shoved <laughs> it in there and hoped for the best our old soundboard has overhead cams now <laughs> I, I got lighter fluid for it i don't even know it's got an ultraviolet undercarriage light what is going on <laughs> i got an ultraviolet undercarriage if you know what i mean hey Whoa, right down there with them burnt nuts <laughs> get a hold of these hot burnt nuts so uh, well you're gonna burn them if you keep them that close to a uv light John. yeah i know <laughs> they're real tan right now <laughs> you can see all the stains <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. Gross. It's <laughs> super gross, so, everyone. We gotta, yeah, Speaking of things. super gross, let's we get got, into this book. Wait, we got one more thank you we got to do. No, we don't. Yeah, we do. We got to do the other one. Come on. Okay, fine. We got one listener. We really want to send a thanks out to him. His name's John. I, I, John G., let's go with, who has sent us like 15 books now. Like, like, just keep sending us books. Every time he finds stuff, he sends us stuff. He has sent us all these RPGs, which are great ones, because none of them are things we've ever heard of. And they're all little ones, which is perfect for when we have we both have travel plans or something. Yeah. Although I'm planning to save them now for about six months from now when I have a, a no month old. Yeah. I'm gonna need some really really short books in that time period. You got one of them crybabies, and you can only read for like you know ten minutes at a time. Yeah, exactly. So so a whole bunch of short books, which I greatly appreciate, and I'm sure my my uh, 
the the soon to be pod kid will appreciate as well. Ah, oh, the pod kid. So uh, so thanks very much for those, John. He also sent us. Oh gosh, a bunch of X Men versus like Star Trek stuff that for the for the expanded hey, they're universe. They're not versus. They team up now. Do they also are they also versus? No, no they, one's versus. They don't fight. You don't have a fight between Worf and Wolverine. No, they they're the best of friends. Is it even Worf though, or is it like the old Star Trek? Uh, there's both. There oh, okay. is an X Men and original Star Trek, which I think was the comic book, mm-hmm. and then the novel is TNG. Come on, Riker's got to throw a punch at Cyclops. I mean, the two of them are so close that you know the sparks are going to fly. You know. You sparks know. are going to fly. Two ways. Off of those beards. Two kinds sparks. <laughs> two kinds sparks. <laughs> Hot nuts. You're gonna, first, you're going to get that anger sparks, and then it's going to blossom into a roaring fire of passion. <laughs> Just no like one every, could resist that Riker beard. No, oh, could you? No. no obviously you not. It's got lost in that thing, right? I've styled my whole life after that beard. <laughs> I just want to jump on top of him and perform the Riker maneuver. If you know what I mean. <laughs> that was the dumbest thing in any Star Trek movie ever. <laughs> when when Riker deploys a joystick so he can fly the Enterprise with it. Oh, no. The Riker maneuver is when he swings his leg over a chair. <laughs> I mean, there's a, there's a, I forget which movie it's in. I think it's the one where they have to rescue some boring people on a boring planet. Lol. You know which one it is. It's the one where Data's ass is a flotation device. Yeah, you know, uh, insurrection. Yeah, uh, sure. Let's wh- go with that. Why not? Okay, that that has a scene where Riker's flying the ship around, and Jordy has to say out loud, "If you pull this off, they're going to call it the Riker maneuver." Yeah, you know what's great though, is that it's been like twenty minutes and we haven't even said the name of this book. Dark Continent. There, God, we're, good. we're back to talking about anyway, Star Trek. Star Trek. So Star Trek. Welcome to the Star Trek podcast. <laughs> All right, fine. Dark Continent, which I I, I admit I am uh, vamping a little bit because this is a, a slim volume. Uh, Dark Continent is a box set that we received as a gift from a listener. Uh, it is, like I said in the intro, the tale of the subjugation and exploration of sub-Saharan Africa in the 1880s. Now, the, the big thing with this book is it really tries to split the difference between being a like very historically accurate this is how things were at the time this is you know uh these different people were doing this and you know these people were trading these goods and this was happening here and then the rest of it is like oh yeah but also like witch doctors and voodoo and shit yeah there's a lot of that there's a lot of ancient egyptian shenanigans oh yeah it's like oh you're gonna meet a swarm of flesh-eating scarabs and you're like what but on the other hand it's it's trying so hard to be like super realistic where it's like, oh, no, actually, most people reti- retire after their first adventure in this game. Yeah. Because who goes on two adventures in sub-Saharan Africa? You go home, and you're famous now, and you, you found some ivory or whatever. Yeah, it's you went, you did something, you wrote a memoir about it, and then you went home. You got malaria, and now you don't want to do it anymore. The end. Yeah. The, uh, the book has a, a strange stance on this because, I mean, like you say, it does really want to present things, uh, you know, very historically accurate and all that. Yeah. But then it also has a lot of sections where it's like, hey, so uh, historically accurate, this time period is super fucking racist. And they, I'm like, well, thank that. you for recognizing that book. Yeah. They, well, okay, why don't we get right into the real meat of this sucker? Because one of the most important things about this game is what you can play as. Huh. And there's careers you can choose. So you can well, play yeah, you have a class. Adventurer and, and you know... Uh, what, what a missionary stuff like that yeah uh you know you don't have a wizard exactly because it's it's supposed to be a realistic game so it's things like soldier warrior missionary adventurer trader stuff like that yeah uh but there's also you can choose your nationality and that's your that's kind of the species of this game yeah you, you get to you get to pick where you are from 
and that is that is your race essentially in this game and uh some are handled better than others yeah well we, we can get rid of some of the the core ones right away the ones where they they done fucked up if you will well i love like the irish one almost all of the different things you can be are like you get a plus one to whatever or Maybe you're a plus two and a minus one to something else. Yeah, like Whatever if, you're, it an, if to be. you're an American, for example, you get like a plus one to willpower and a minus one to renown or something because no one's impressed by Americans apparently. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. uh, it's I think it's like persuasion or something yeah, because everyone's right. like fucking Americans. Yeah, which I mean, sure, granted, well, it's eighteen eighty in Africa. That is basically true. Well, yeah, I mean, it's pretty much any time in non-America. <laughs> Fair, but uh, but Irish. Irish gets like a plus one to something. I think it's like endurance. Yeah. But then they also have the special superpower, Luck of the Irish, where if they're drunk, they get a better luck roll. Yeah. And if that sounds a little bit racist towards the Irish, then, you know, don't worry about it. Uh, because Scots get uh, a little bonus to their endurance. Uh, and also they are on, they're not allowed to spend their own money on outfitting expeditions. Yeah. Because they're cheap. You see, you see, oh my God. Uh, I love there's the, uh, the Prussians who lose renown anytime they lose any sort of argument. So whether it's like I lost a fight or I lost what we're going to have for breakfast, they just lose renown, but at the end of every adventure, they take renown from everyone else because they're conquering assholes. <laughs> I think the problem with them is that they mention it. They're like, okay, so anytime these guys have to back down in any kind of argument whatsoever, they lose renown. Uh, but don't, be careful. Don't just constantly get into arguments with them because they'll kill you. And I was like, well, that doesn't work in a player party context. Also, it's just like the whole Prussian thing is shitty top to bottom in a the context of having players because one... You have a incentive for that player to just never play nice with others, and he's straight up stealing from everyone else in the party at the end of the adventure, like regardless of what he might want to do. Yeah, no, it's it's a real problem. I mean, a lot of this feels more like it's written as if this was going to be a one-time board game sort of situation, like that exactly that rule. Oh, take one renown from everyone at the end of each combat phase is the sort of thing you'd see in a board game. Oh yeah, well this, I mean, if you were doing like a uh, like Dark Continent board game, and you're like, okay, you know, pick whatever cardboard square you want for whatever you're playing, and if you get the Prussian, that's your special ability. You're like, okay, that's fine. There's a few that are kind of combined for for the nationalities because they didn't bother having more than one. Like so, Eastern European, for example, is a whole block all by itself. Yeah, it certainly is a whole block. <laughs> ah, Soviets. No, I get it. But it's not just them though. It's like every like Turks are part of the Eastern European block. Yeah, of course they are. So uh, it, it's just because I guess British people at the time thought everyone from over there was a mysterious weirdo. Yep. So they end up being all lumped into one grouping. Uh, I think there's a few others that work the same way. Uh, eventually, you start running out of of respectable perf- uh, European and, and American types, and so you get to the Africans, and Africans are divided into just tribal and coastal. Yeah, it's I am an African that is like plays well with others, or I am an African that is a spooky dark continent African. Yeah, so and it also gives you very strong advice to not play as the dark continent tribal Africans. Yeah. It's like don't play as these because the whole point of this game is you're going adventuring into the jungles and these guys live there so it's not an adventure for them so it wouldn't be a good idea. Yeah, and then they you'd be like, "Oh my god, what is this tribe?" and they'd be like, "Oh, that's just these guys. <laughs> They're dicks anyway. Let's go." <laughs> I like the idea that that's the I mean, Africa is fucking enormous and tribes are known for not going very far. 
Yeah, man, but that would be great if there was just some dude who's like, oh, I know everybody. I know every single tribe here. Don't worry about it. I mean, most uh, I would assume that most British explorers knew more tribes than the tribes around the area did because they were actually going four or 500 miles upriver into, into a, passing by dozens of different land holdings. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so they got those two things. You've got the Irish and the Af- – or the two kinds of Africans. And then you've also got – oh, my God, I forgot about that picture. Uh, you've got Arabs. Yep. Uh, ferals. Yeah, the the feral is your Mowgli or your uh, well. There's the Maasai queen in this, which is their example of one. Well, yeah, but there's there's two different things for it. There's a uh, a class and a race for it. Yeah, the ferals right. are basically like your Tarzan. I went feral. Yeah, I was raised in the woods by by animals, and I am definitely a white person because otherwise, who could tell the difference, right? <laughs> so racist. But the other one is there's a class that is the jungle lord that you can only take if you're a feral, mm-hmm. and it is straight up you are fucking George of the Jungle because you get to scream out and have animal friends come to your rescue, and you're all sorts of great at like fucking vine brachiation and shit. Yeah. And then you've also got the Portuguese, which are at this point, even by the 1880s, are a, a third-rate nobody of a superpower. Huh. Uh, and it mentions that they are basically all just unscrupulous traders that live right on the coast and are happy to sell slaves and are uh, kind of dicks who will deal with anybody. Yep. And then you've got the Sikh and the Baluki, or the Baluchi. Balu- oh, ba- yeah. Balushai? The, the uh, Balusi. The Balusi. The, ba- the, <laughs> the, the, the John Belushi. The John Belushis. I have no idea to pronounce B-A-L-U-C-H-I. I'm sorry, that's not a part of histor- history I'm aware of. But they're both just people from northern India. Yeah. Uh, and the art, that it, by the way, the art in this book, we haven't talked about this. Real quick, there's two kinds of art in this book. There's character illustrations that are done for like the class, the uh, the careers you can choose. And those are bad pictures of one character each. Yep. Uh, they are ugly and stupid looking. And then the rest of it is, well, you ever gotten a Trader Joe's Fearless Flyer? <laughs> For anyone that lives in a place without a Trader Joe's, then uh, it's... 19th century woodcut art. Yeah, it's just woodcut art of some dubious-looking things. Uh, most of them appear to have been taken directly from old British newspapers. Yeah. But the one for the Sikhs is this... Oh, my gosh. It it, it looks like Lewis Carroll was told to draw a racist Indian person. Uh, his head is twice the size of his body. He's got terrifying eyes. He is staring at a proper British woman with total lust in his eyes. Uh, it is good. it is messed up looking. Great. Anyway, that's a thing. Oh, then it, everybody else is boiled down to the rest of the world. Yeah. They mention if you'd like to play an explorer from Imperial Japan, then figure it out yourself. <laughs> then who gives a shit, whatever. One of the things you'll note about this book that I want to get through right here while it's in my mind is uh, they do a lot of you might consider to hide the obvious racist stuff that they, they really felt like they needed to put in here or sexist stuff. Yeah. Where they're like, hey, we aren't making any judgments. If you want to play as women in this game, you can. Just because women didn't really do anything and... Like, explorer women, there's only, like, four of them that ever in sub-Saharan Africa that, that are of note. Then, But you can still play as one. Go ahead. And then it just goes, you might consider giving them a minus one to strength because they are of the fairer sex. <laughs> yeah, the that's one of the weird things for me in this book is it's like they realized what they were doing was kind of fucked up and like, wrong, like but impossible. they kept going. Yeah. It's like they couldn't stop. Yeah. It was it was like a liar liar situation where they just couldn't stop well, themselves because, because it happens constantly throughout this book where they're like, oh gosh, uh, so obviously all these people that you're going to be playing as are horrible people that are just going to machine gun down tribesmen that are in between them and an elephant, but 
but uh, try to play them as noble and upright. You, you you might consider that they're not so bad. Maybe think of them as de- decent folk, and you're like, oh god damn it. Ugh. And it's just it just goes on like that. There are so many good little ideas in here. See. I'm I'm so sad because a lot of the stuff in this book, mechanically speaking, uh, the way things like work together, right? I actually really like. But can I just go ahead and say right now, there's certain things you probably shouldn't make an RPG of. Yeah, I think so. I, I think it doesn't matter how well you treat those subjects; it's a bad idea to make a game out of them. Yeah, I mean, even if none of the you might consider's were in this book, and everything it was like. Look, we're going to present things historically how it was, let you know, uh, even tell you you can do this uh, pulp style. So if you want to do it as less exploitative like it was and more like fun adventure, you can do that. Even with all of that in there, you go, yeah, but even if we're playing it like that, I'm still a white dude coming into Africa and taking its resources. Like, that's the game. Yeah, this was a dark period in Africa's history. Why are we gamifying it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's basically like, hey, guys, did you want to play the crew on a slave ship? And you're like, no, no, no I, I didn't. Roll a D6 to see how many slaves you lash. You're like, don't, don't oh, make me do this. I don't want to roll that. Do I, not gamify this horrible nonsense. I, I do not lash any slaves. You lose three experience points and must drive everyone to Taco Bell. Oh, <laughs> uh, man, I got to put that in our book. <laughs> we put out blimp leggers. It's going to be like, if you decide not to do this, then you have failed in your duty as a captain and must drive everyone to Taco Bell. <laughs> do not have a Taco Bell near you? Figure out where the closest one is. Or the closest equivalent of a Taco Bell. Maybe you're near a Del Taco or a... One of those Carl's Jr. Mexican food add-ons. Get one of them green burritos. Which you have never had anything from, and don't pretend you have. (laughs) No one gets anything from a green burrito. Why do you exist? (laughs) So, uh, all right. So, so yeah, the races are a little dubious, but you're right. There's a whole lot of this uh, you-might-consider stuff that just kind of... One example that I found in here that I thought was particularly noteworthy was in their description of, I think it's French explorers. Yeah. They describe two famous French explorers whose names I am not going to bother to try and remember. And the first one says, like, this guy journeyed all the way across the center of Africa doing a 500-mile journey with nothing but a black umbrella in his hands. And he came back with tons of ivory and good relations with the natives, and he had a wonderful journey. And then this other French explorer, a few years later, decided to do the same journey, but instead of of, uh, not shooting anybody, he gunned down Maasai tribes that came within a mile of him. He had a whole bunch of machine guns, and he he probably killed five, six hundred people on his way to where he was going. Yeah. And then it goes, I guess he forgot his umbrella. Uh, and I was like, all right, if you want to walk the line, if you want to walk this, this game is okay to play everybody line, then you can't make jokes like that. Yeah. Like, oh, ho, ho, I guess this really is a trail of tears. You're like, no, dude, no, no you no, can't. That's, you can't make jokes like this. I'm sorry. It, no, it, it, it belies what you're trying to accomplish here. Yeah. It, it shows the true nature of what you're doing, which is, woo, it's fun to write about, about this horrifying period. Yeah. It's, it's really weird because... It was a point where, for a lot of especially like British and European things, it was this whole pulp adventure sense of exploration thing, and for the like sense of adventure of it, I understand where people get into the idea of this time period, but then when you look at the reality of it, you're like, oh yeah, no. It's the same thing like with American expansion into the West. 
You're like, oh man, it's cowboys, manifest destiny, and cowboys, and exploration, and oh, fucking dude, the Oregon Trail. I'm gonna shoot me a buffalo and only be able to drag about 200 pounds of its meat. Boy, howdy, this seems great. And then you realize you're like, oh no, this was just like systematic genocide. That's not good. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, it, it, like I said, it it tries to walk a close line, but every once in a while, especially in the art. And occasionally in the jokes, it just shoots right past that line. And all of a sudden you realize, ew, this was written by horrible people. Yeah, it just, they they occasionally are like, oh, wait a minute, we don't give a fuck, and just do some nonsense. Yeah. So, I mean, they're nice in certain respects. They, they do the thing, like we were saying, it's you might consider giving women a minus one, but ultimately you can play as a woman in any capacity you want in this game. Just tell your, your, your uh, DM you're doing that. We're not going to stop you, and we don't care if he tries. Yeah, I mean, it has a page of... Here are examples of women who went on adventures. If you want to be someone who goes on an adventure, fucking go for it. One of the things I noted is that the game has basically feats or, or uh, I guess they're more backgrounds. Background, yeah. like background dot bonuses. Uh, one of them is Lovelorn, which is, you know, kind of the reason like Dr. Livingstone went into the wilderness is because he was a failed affair. Yeah, you have a, a lot of stories of like, oh, I, I was unlucky in love and so I decided to find my fortune in the, the great wilderness of Africa. Yes, and it mentions that this also works as you're gay. And yeah. you can't be gay in Britain in the yeah, 1880s. If you're in a Victorian society, you straight can't be gay, so fuck it. Go somewhere else. Yeah, just go to the French Foreign Legion or go to Africa and just do do some adventures. And it mentions that like uh, at this time period, uh, homosexuality was significantly condoned and accepted in the Arab world. Yeah. Which I don't even, I don't think that's true. I think it was just more ignored huh. at the time period. I think it, but anyway, moving forward, th- there's little bits like that where it's like, hey, did you want to play a dude who's adventuring in, in Africa because he is gay? That, cool. Have fun with it. Here's, here's a whole background you can take just for that. It gives you plus one to performance. Oops. <laughs> but but uh, anyway, let's talk about the mechanics because it's a simple D10 roll under. Yep. You've got uh, an interesting way that they do it. Your stats are generally between a 1 and a 10. Yes, generally also between a 3 and a 7. Uh, mostly between 3 and 7. The the 3 and 7 is nothing. Like, the difference between having a 4 in a stat and having a 7 in a stat is pretty much nothing unless you are rolling for just a stat because all it gives you is a bonus between a plus 1 or plus 0 for 3 to 7. And then if you're above or below, you'll get, like, between a plus one, minus one, and a plus three, minus three. Yes, it goes three through seven, nothing. Eight plus one, nine plus two, ten plus three. Yeah. Uh, and then the same thing for the bottom of the scale. Uh, so so you end up with, with a very simple scale that, that gives you bonuses and penalties to abilities. You can occasionally be called upon to roll against an attribute directly. Like, if you're just in a straight-up foot race, then it has you just roll agility. Yeah, I mean, won. if it's like... Uh, you don't know what to do right now. Just roll intelligence and see if you can come up with an idea. Now, one of them that's probably the, the core one to actually get up to a seven instead of leaving it a three, even though it's a plus zero, is your luck. Of your six starting attributes, luck is one. Luck is used to roll for confirmations of critical and fumble checks. Yes. So, so if you uh, get a one on something, that's a crit. If you get a ten, that is a fumble. So Now, keep- you have to roll like D&D 3.0 to confirm the crit. Yes. But keep in mind that this is a D10 system, which means that you literally have a 20% chance on every die roll you'll ever make to do anything of either critting or fumbling. Now, the it doesn't automatically happen because you have to then roll for your luck. Now, right. if you succeed on your roll for luck 
after you crit, then great, you actually do crit. If you fail your luck roll after failing and getting the fumble, then you actually do fumble. Now, no matter what, a 1 in 10 is a succeed and a fail. Yeah, but in order to avoid the dumb situation where you accidentally shoot your friend or whatever, because it does the whole, oh, a critical fumble is something terrible happens. Your DM will tell you what. Yes. Uh, which is never a good idea. But anyway, moving moving beyond that, uh, th- the fact that one in five die rolls will generate you needing to roll luck means that it's really important to have your luck at least up at that seven range. Yeah, the the fact that most of the other stats, you can basically just leave it a five or six and not care mm-hmm. uh, means that a lot of your starting stat points where you're buying your stats up are probably going to go into luck. Yep. Because it's the only one that is going to matter a lot of the time. It's going to matter constantly, where the other ones are only going to matter in in situations where no other rule can be found for them to matter in. Yeah. Now, the, the skill system is very interesting to me because you get your starting role is a four mm-hmm. plus your skill. Yes. Uh, and any bonuses you might have. And you end up with some ranks in various skills. So, for example, if you have long arm or the ability to fire rifles and you take it at plus one, then you'd have a four, and then you add your long arm, and then you would add any relevant bonus from any relevant statistic. Yeah, so, so if that, my agility was at a plus one, I could add another additional one. And you'd end up with a six, let's say, from one rank in long arm. Plus, you'd add four, plus one for that, plus one for uh, your agility, plus one for the long arm, because you'd six. So to, to hit someone with a gun, you're rolling six or less on a D10. Yeah. The uh, the good thing, given that 10 is always a failure and 1 is always a success, though, the, uh, the thing about going above a 10 in your skill is that it then increases your crit rate. Yes. So if I have, say, a, an 11 total for my roll, then now all of a sudden I'm going to crit on a 1 or a 2 instead of just a 1. Yeah. So the game has six stats ranging from 1 to 10, but they aren't the standard D&D array. Luck is one of them. We already mentioned that, and so is agility. The others are perception, empathy, and strength and endurance. Yes. Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. There's actually seven, uh, because luck is one of the seven. The other one is willpower. There you go. So there's a full total of seven skills you have to deal with. Uh, It is a point-by system for how you're going to buy your way up in those skill ranks. Yeah, which, again, you're you're mostly just going to be looking at, you can be pretty average in some things in most things really unless there is one thing you really want your guy to be like if you're like hey i'm a like pugilist or whatever from england and i want to have a high endurance because i was all about getting punched in the face a lot then sure go ahead and buy that up one thing i'll give the book credit for is that of the seven skills they are the seven attributes they divide the skills up really evenly between them you know normally when you look at like fifth edition dnd how many constitution skills are there oh yeah that's one of the issues with a lot of the books that we have reviewed, where it's like uh, Gear Krieg. That was it. There you okay. go. Uh, so in Gear Krieg, there was a lot of stats, but there were some where it was like, oh, this has two skills for it. Mm-hmm. So if you were super into one of these stats, it didn't matter. Yeah, this game doesn't necessarily have a god stat, at least in terms of skill performance. So, for example, agility only provides uh, your bonus its bonus to archery, athletics, and fisticuffs. Uh, perception handles animal lore, long arms, medical, and science. So there's, it's got a pretty fair balance between the skills in terms of whether or not you're going to get a bonus, which the, helps. It keeps everyone from being like, oh, I have an agility at 10 and everything else is 3 and I don't care. Well, the other thing is uh, renown, we've mentioned a few times, and that's 
basically your XP, but it's also sort of how you outfit an expedition and go on adventures. Now, depending on what class you picked, you have different ways of getting renowned. Yes. So if you picked someone that was like, uh, I'm a warrior, like I could, I'm an ex-soldier in the British Army or whatever. You can't then, do that and be a warrior, but you go ahead. Yeah. Then you might say, okay, then uh, I'm looking at getting renowned by, you know, getting animal trophies or winning in combat or doing whatever. Uh, there are certain things that everyone's going to get po- points for, but you're going to get more for certain things. Like if I'm a missionary, I'm going to get way more renown for spreading my religion than I would for, say, combat. So right. it actually, depending on what you pick, it not only says this is what you're good at, but this is what you get rewarded for, which, yes. again, some great mechanical ideas in here. Yeah, there's some neat stuff. Uh, there's a whole thing in this game where the renown is used to outfit your expedition, and your expedition, which is you and the, let's face it, dozens of slaves you're going to drag along with you. I guess hey, now, you hire them. Okay, fine. They're Wangwana. You're Wangwana, your paid men that you're going to drag along in the jungle with you so they can carry you around on a sling or whatever, uh, makes up a whole character of its own, which has the exact same st- seven statistics. Yeah, you are going to have, like, how agile is your expedition? How fast can it move? Yeah, how em- em- empathetic is it? Are they gonna? Is your group automatically going to slay people that they come across, or are they going to be able to bargain? Yeah, it's very interesting that how you outfit your group what you bring along, who you bring along, uh, things like that will affect the stats for your expedition. And the stats for your expedition are just as, if not occasionally more important than your own individual stats. Yeah, honestly, it seems like it would be difficult to figure out how to play this game because it seems to have a hard time balancing between when you should be on a macro or a micro scale. Like, when, are you, when when is this problem going to be resolved by the expedition versus when is this problem going to be resolved by you, the player? Yeah, there's uh, a lot of stuff in the... Now, we just read the player's guide. The GM's guide has a section on, like, how to run this game where it's like, uh, this is when you should really be looking at doing overview-type stuff. Uh, most travel, things like that, should be done with uh, just your expedition... But times where it comes down to are you gaining renown or not are very much on an individual level. So, like, uh, there are times when, say, you might fight a lion. Now, you could send your uh, bodyguards because you're probably buying a whole bunch of just dudes with guns to follow you around. You could be like, hey, guys, go shoot that lion. But you get zero renown for that. Right. But if you're like hey, I'm a rad soldier guy, and I'm going to go try and kill this lion. Oh, stiff up a lip, what, what? Yeah, if that's what you're playing, then you're like, no, I want to go into that individual scale and kill this beast because then I get a bunch of renown for it. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to acknowledge when you're looking at the, at the career selections, which uh, here's the list of them. Adventurer, Explorer, Jungle Lord, Missionary, Officer, Scholar, Shootist, Traitor, there's a few too many of these, I think. Wangwana, warrior. Uh, one thing I wanted to note about these is that all of them come with little optional secondary things you could play as by just changing various skill acquisitions in them uh, to represent various tropes you've heard about, like jungle stories. Yeah, because the the way it actually works is it says like, okay, you're gonna get four skill points in two of these, and it gives you like five skills to choose from. Yeah, for example, the adventurer. Chose, you choose American or European. You can't play as an African adventurer. 
Uh, you get three points on one of Animal Lore Athletics, Riding or Sailing. Three points on one of Fisticuffs, Melee Combat, Pistol, Riding or Survival. Two points on one of Animal Lore Athletics, Riding, Sailing or Survival. And two points on one of Archery, Melee Combat, Fisticuffs, Long Armor, Pilot. So, and, and that's basically all there is yeah. to, to dividing up the class. But it changes some of that for if you'd like to play, and this is a, a cute little term they came up with here for an adventurer, the spirit who stalks. Uh, if you'd like to play, so, so you know what that is, right? That's the shadow who walks. The, uh, what's his the name? The Phantom. The Phantom, yes. That's the, the, Danny the, Phantom. The Billy Zane movie that you forgot about. Yeah, it. Billy Zane is Danny Phantom. The, Billy Z- and then also the comic strip that's been going on for forever and doesn't make any goddamn sense anymore. Yeah, that really old comic strip, Danny Phantom. <laughs> yes, Danny Phantom. I have no jokes about Danny Phantom. Oh, that's sad. Uh, I, I tried. I, I tried to come up with some, and I couldn't. I, I diverted into other Disney properties. <laughs> and I'm just going to keep bringing it back to Danny Phantom. I don't care. <laughs> I, fine. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, so. That, that's kind of I like that it acknowledges that you could, could play as a pulp. I mean, because the Phantom is a weird white rich dude who lives in a cool secret jungle castle and is attended to by unfortunately black dudes who just like constantly do whatever he tells them to. But he goes off and does like pulp adventure shooting bad guys type stuff. Yeah, and that's I mean the same thing like we had mentioned before. The Jungle Lord is your I'm Mowgli, I'm Tarzan, I'm someone who's running around. I have animal friends and shit like that. Uh, and then it also gives you suggestions for which backgrounds to pick because a lot of the backgrounds will either change your stats, change your skills, uh, give you certain powers and situations. The Jungle Lord in particular actually has a couple of really... One of them is Man Cub, which is definitely the, the Mowgli. Yeah. And then the other one is straight up if you want to play as George of the Jungle. Yeah. Now, it doesn't specifically... It, I, it's supposed to be Tarzan, I'm sure, but the way that they le- refer to it makes it sound more like it's George of the Jungle. Yes. The actual example they provide you with is... Unfortunately, the, the picture that you open this... If you let this book just fall open, it falls open to that page. And it is... Uh, it's a it's bald some, lady with her tits out. Yeah. And it's the white jungle lord it's, woman. It's Zaantra, wise goddess or white goddess of the Maasai. Yeah. So it's uh, some white baby that got adopted by the Maasai because they found her like Moses style in a crib or something. Yeah, and they were like, well, we'll raise her to be a rad spear warrior. And and we think that she is like, I don't know, from our gods because she is white. Yeah. And she thinks that she's she or she is fully committed to being a Maasai now. But the the important thing about her is that she has her big old her, her baps out, which unfortunately like I said, unfortunately the book falls open to that page. One of the only pieces of original art in this book and you're like, oh, geez, it's someone in in Maasai tribal garb with their. Oh. It's a it's a white lady in Maasai garb who is a white savior. Hooray! Oh. Okay, uh, but each one of them does cool little things like that, so that you can you can kind of get a sense of where you'd like to play. The, you don't have to play these as Joseph Conrad and go slowly up into the jungle and go insane and come back out later. No, but it does, of course, mention that. Uh, it, oh yeah, so several times it it mentions, of course, Stanley and Livingstone a million times. Yeah. Uh, Joseph Conrad a bunch of times. Mowgli is an unusual thing to mention because that none of that happened in Africa. No, but it was like, eh, fuck it, it's a jungle. Why whatever. Not? India's basically Africa. Quit asking questions. Eh, whatever. There's, there's dark people there. Eh, <laughs> fuck it. Okay, so uh, the careers only provide you with skill selections. The next thing you need to look at is backgrounds. Uh, you get a couple of points to spend on these. I love the backgrounds, by the way. They're, they're actually good. Most of them are really good. Yeah, there's there's very few where you look at it and you're like, oh, but why would I even spend points on that? Most of them are very interesting. Uh, some of them, like for certain careers, you 
it very strongly suggests you take them. Yeah. Like, uh, if you're a missionary, there's a faith background that you can get that it's like, you should really have this. Yeah. No, they, they all make sense. Workhouse poor is a straight up, it's a bonus, and so is wealthy. It's just different kinds of bonuses. Yep. The only one that has any kind of penalty associated with it is if you are old. It, yeah. If you take if you take that you're really old, then you get a minus one to his physical attribute, but you still get a bunch of other bonuses. Yeah, you get a whole bunch of skill stuff instead because you're older. The one that weirded me out was the young. It says you are literally 12 to 13, and then it just gives you bonuses to two physical attributes. Yep. That's all young does. I guess to say you can play short round. Yeah, you can just play as the, the scrappy young kid who's following along. Which there is one. That's that's the, the Wangwana, which we just mentioned in passing earlier. That's the name of the people who are hired to go along with expeditions. Yeah, it's... All, anytime you see one of those, like, oh, white people on an expedition in Africa, the people who are carrying all the boxes on their back, that's Wangwana. Yes. Uh, the, the Wangwana that they use as an example is a scrappy young kid named Saeed, who, who is probably Egyptian or from Zanzibar. They're not sure. The big thing is that she's secretly a girl. Oh, no. That's the big secret. I was, I was appreciative of that. It was like a neat little story element for the character. Yeah. Uh, that no one has figured out yet that she's actually a 13-year-old girl. She has a cool pet monkey. It was a great character design. Yep. Uh, but, you know, she's 12 or 13, so she gets this cool bonus for having youth. Uh, and the same thing with Lovelorn. Uh, some of them are, uh, there's Junior Boxing Champion if you want to be a good punchman. Yep. Uh, Lovelorn gives you a couple of bonuses for being there because you're, like, sad about your lot in Victorian England. Yeah. Uh, and then there's also fr- uh, perfect physical specimen, which is like four points. Gain plus one to every physical attribute. You are rad. Yeah, it's just, hey, man, you're straight up an Adonis. Good job. The other one I really like is French Foreign Legion experience. Yes. Uh, it gives you a lot of different bonuses. It's very expensive to get to, but that's because it eats up a huge chunk of your life. Yeah. Well, the uh, the point costs for certain things, I feel, were very well balanced. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can definitely tell how they weighted uh, the stat points because, I mean, one of the backgrounds is just straight up, it's a two-point, you up one of your stats. There you go. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like most of the things in here, it's very hard to game this system. Yeah. You can, if you really want to, do uh, a couple things like uh, Naive lets you trade in skill points for stat points. Mm-hmm. So, if you really wanted to be like, yo, I just straight up am statsman and I don't care about skills, but because skills are so much more useful most of the time than stats, you're like, okay, I may be baseline really good at everything, but I have no skills, so it doesn't matter. Right. So, th- those aren't terribly designed. They're, they're, they're just fine. Uh, there are three hit point systems. That, uh, that might be a little much. In this game, you can suffer damage to your hit points, or your wounds, as they call them, yeah. your stun... Yep. And your sanity. Now, we've seen all of those types of systems before. Mm-hmm. Uh, stun is one that shows up in a lot in games where they want you to have mechanics for falling unconscious rather than dying. Yes. Uh, splitting that up into different things. Yeah. In this game, it's not that you have stun track. That's It's just if someone punches you with weapons that do stun damage, then you take stun damage. You have stun HP equal to your endurance score. Yep. You have actual wound HP equal to your physical sc- or your strength score. And then you have agility, or sorry, sanity, equivalent to your willpower score. Yeah. Now, sanity is mostly for things like... uh, If you're starving. Well, yeah, it's problems of not just being on the trail like, oh, it's been a really hard few days or whatever. But there are also, I mean, in the GM's guide, there's stuff for like, you came across a taboo site from this 
uh, ancient tribe, and if you try to get near their, like, ancient idol, then you take sanity damage and stuff like that. You found a guy selling microwaves, and the prices were so, so low that you went crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, you found Trader Sam, and he'll sell two of his heads for one of yours. That's just nuts. Oh, I'm losing my mind. You know what? That makes more sense to me than going crazy from reading a weird book. Oh, yeah. No, you you definitely went crazy because you saw the backside of water. <laughs> That's the thing about the, the Cthulhu games that always drives me insane is like, okay, you read a little bit of this book. You lose some sanity. And I'm like, well, how? What? Because it's not even in English. It's, oh, these letters are so scary. I'm going nutso. Oh, man, it just burns itself into your brain. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I guess that's fair then. Yeah. All right, sure. So uh, so that's basically all there is that matters to character creation. As we mentioned, oh, you still get some gear. Oh, yeah. Well, that's going to be, like I said before, part of your outfitting thing. Uh, the gear you have, the stuff you get for your expedition, all of that is going to be just as important as making your character, if not more so, because you've got to, as a team, sort of decide how you're going to uh, split up who's getting what, how much of whatever do you want to get? Yeah, and every stat does something slightly different when you're looking at expedition construction. Uh, for example, strength affects the leadership rating and your ability to hold the group together under adverse conditions. Uh, agility affects their ability to move. It's how fast you can force your... your like a, a, a 10 in agility for an expedition causes the, the expedition to travel at 5 miles an hour. Oh, yeah. Well, the agility in it is whatever the lowest agility of anyone in your expedition is. Yeah. So if someone was like, hi, dump agility, you're like, great, our fucking expedition is balls now. Yeah. So each each stat still exists in out- outfit form, or in ter- I'm sorry, in, in uh, expedition form. It's a, it's neat. You, you can spend your renown, because renown is this interesting combination of XP and wealth. Yeah. And you can accrue it. You have a lifetime total renown, which counts renown that you've spent on things as well. Yeah, because you'll have renown you can spend like XP to improve your stats and skills. Mm-hmm. You can spend it in order to get stuff to outfit your expedition, mm-hmm. but you also keep track of how much total you've got because it's going to be how people react to you. Yes. Especially like Europeans. Notably, it controls whether or not you'll ever get to meet the queen. Ah, the queen. See, if you get 250 renowned, you get to meet the queen. How much do I need to meet the Kaiser? <laughs> You only need 150 renown, but you get a free corn dog. Ooh. Now, for only five renown, I can get you a nice pair of plastic vampire teeth. <laughs> no, I'll just I'll spend my five renown and get a Tootsie Roll. There like you a go. Tiny one. Those are only two renown each, but if you wait until you get seven renown, you can get a snap bracelet that says Africa on it. <laughs> Uh, the <laughs> these have been some Chuck E. Cheese jokes brought to you from by people who remember that place. Yeah, hey, you remember going to arcades and getting tickets and stuff. Man, you remember cheating at Ski Ball to get like a thousand tickets? Huh? You remember that? Oh my God, I went to a nickel arcade recently, and they had one of those like shoot basketball into the hoop thing. Mm-hmm. But I'm tall enough at this point that I can just dunk it in there. <laughs> and I was like, Yeah, I'm doing this. I'm just going to sit there and cheat at this fucking game and just dunk basketballs. Did it fart tokens out for you, that you or tickets out, and you got to go spend them on things? Uh, the problem was, even doing that, it was like, oh, good job. You got ridiculous high scores. Here's like 11 tickets. Yeah, the one, the, the time I gamed a system, I went fully sober. And you know I'm already really good at trivia in general. Yeah. It's kind of my one thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I went to a Dave & Buster's where they had that big trivia arcade and just staked out one of the four seats at it, sober, and waited for drunk people to come by. <laughs> and I just took their money away from them. 
Yeah. I guess, sort of, because all I did was spit out tickets. But I got enough tickets that day to buy a radio-controlled blimp. Oh, yeah. The uh, the way I was doing it at the Nickel Arcade I was at is they had a Space Invaders game. Mm-hmm. And if you hit a certain level of points, you just got like an extra 400 tickets. But if you played with two people and the other person just sort of let you get all the good point things, you'd always hit it. So i just play with someone else and be like, yo, let me hit all the big spaceships. And so I would always get it, and then it'd be like, oh, you got 20 tickets, and I got 470. Ooh. Yeah, and I love gaming systems to get free shit. <laughs> and then you go into that little store in the Dave & Buster's, and it wasn't worth it. Why are you in here? Oh, no, because you're like, oh, boy, I certainly did spend like $40 in tokens to buy this like $4 thing. Yeah, I think the first time I did that, when I realized I could just win at that trivia game they have sitting at Dave & Buster's, I bought one of those air cannons. Uh, you ever played one of those? Oh, yeah. Yeah, those are great. They shoot the little compressed air blast. Thump, thunk. It just it, it gets someone in the face and it blows their hair back and they're like, ah, they, stop. Uh, ah stop it. Uh, ah, I hate that. <laughs> it makes me flinch. Don't do that. Uh. I hate flinching. <laughs> Flinching's the worst. Here, I'm going to give you two for flinching. <laughs> That's the best part. And then but four for flinching twice. <laughs> this is going to go on infinitely. And indeed it did. And indeed I am still hitting this guy in the face to this day. So uh, is this game too racist, John? Were they able to walk the line? I, I, I Again, I, I think there are just some things you shouldn't make a game out of. And unfortunately, this is one. The mechanics work real well. The, the idea of doing pulp adventures is fine. But I think it's the fact that they did try and hew so close to the actual Victorian era, like what happened, yeah, means that you have all of these things about like, oh, well, if you're playing an Arab, you're probably going to be bringing slaves back for renown. And you're like, oh, please stop. I don't, don't want to do this. No, no, there's a lot of things in this game that where, where they are, are leaning heavily on the, well, actually, instead of going, well, you shouldn't do this. Don't play this. We're going we're gonna to come up with a narrow subset of things that are okay for you to do while wandering around Africa. Yeah, it, it ends up making it so that instead of being like a rad Indiana Jones pulp adventure, you really are just like, hey, I'm some white guy who decided to come over here and dick around because it'll make me famous. Like, imagine if you bought a Hogan's Heroes RPG. <laughs> and instead, what you found was like a an intensely specific concentration camp management simulator. And then it also was like, but you could do pranks. And you're like, <laughs> wait, hold, what the fuck? <laughs> They're like, here's all the mechanics for starving and then uh, sanity loss mechanics for when you watch the people near you get gassed. Anyway, here's how you put a whoopee cushion on the commissar's seat. You're like, whoa, 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 what the fuck? This doesn't, this is tonally whiplashing me. I don't know what to do here. Yeah, it is. Whoo, man, that that is the main issue I have is that if you really wanted to be like, no, what I want to do is make people examine exactly how fucked up the whole Victorian era was Mm -hmm. for these people. And, you know, it does have a lot of things where they're like, oh, they viewed Africans as being, you know, subhuman because of the way they dressed or what they did or their beliefs. But if you look at what they were doing then and how we do things now, we're much closer to them than to Victorians. And it has this whole exploration of that. And if you wanted to very seriously take a look at that and go, I want people to confront the reality of this and as a game, explore the emotional space of doing this. I'd be like, all right, that's very pretentious, but I understand and you're going to try and do that. But to then also mix it with like a, 
Yeah, fisticuffs. We're going into Africa to find strange cryptozoological creatures. I'm like, don't. Oh, fucking just don't. Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. A triceratops. Yeah, don't don't have like a Maasai warrior riding around on a fucking triceratops who throws spears at you Mm -hmm. and then also be like, now, the sobering fact of malaria, and you're like, no, no, you can't do this. Now, unfortunately, uh, yeah, because that's what other thing is. They mentioned, like, they have a whole chapter called Dunroman, yep. which is the, the section for, the fact is, your character is going to be constantly losing attribute points in this game from disease and sanity and shit like that. Yeah, like, your your mounts are going to get hit by the titsy fly and then fucking die. And How's so that? are you. Yeah, you're going to start losing teeth and shit. Eventually, you're going to be too weak to keep going and venturing, so you stop, because that's just the reality. But then, again, it's like, yeah, I'm going in here, and I'm a boxer. I'm going to have to punch a mummy. Yeah. There's such this weird tonal dissonance between what's going on that I'm like, I cannot get behind this game. <laughs> it's a shame, because there's a lot of interesting elements, but they're very carefully tamped down by a lot. Again, like I said earlier, you might consider, though. Yeah. So, John, you might consider telling me what your favorite thing about this game is. I might, but I won't. Oh, okay. <laughs> No, the, uh, I mean, for me, the best thing in this game is I'm going to go with the backgrounds. I think they did a really good job on making interesting choices. Uh, there's no penalty. It's just by stuff that you can do. So it's not a merit and flaws. It's just here's stuff that you have that makes your character different. Mm-hmm. And they're all good bonuses, Brent. And <laughs> 13 out of 10 on these bonuses, Brent. Uh, and they they give you a good selection of stuff. So you can definitely, you do get uh, like bonus points to flesh your character out, which is XP. And you can spend more XP on getting uh, more backgrounds or whatever. But they're, they're just really good. They're just a good way to do uh, a merit flaw system because not having flaws means you can make your merits all good. And they also end it with a little section that tells you about the famous explorers of Africa in this period and what you would have to take to build them. Oh, yeah. They're like, well, here's what the background would be if you wanted to be this guy. If you would like to play as H.M. Stanley, take Lovelorn, Journalist, and Workhouse Poor. There you go. Makes sense to me. So, yeah, it's got a lot of uh, interesting ways to build guys out. And, of course, because they are more like, instead of it just being... I am lucky. I am strong. It's got background stuff in it. Yeah, it does. It does help uh, make your character more interesting. Yeah, it helps build your character, which is a nice thing. And when we say backgrounds, we're talking about the little things you buy for points that are like, oh, plus two points, or, or for two points, you get Lovelorn, or you get, uh, you know, I served in the African Legion, and not like, you are Prussian. <laughs> so that the, the nationalities are a completely different thing. Yes. Uh, okay, so I'm going to say my favorite thing in this is the little suggestions about how to retool the careers uh, to create different genres of gaming. I know that we were talking about the tonal whiplash of this game, but that's because I would be happy to play this if it were tonally structured more towards two-fisted pulp adventure. Yeah. And less towards, oh God, the horrors of the uh, of the uh, inner sphere of African or, or of sub-Saharan Africa is destroying me. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's just. Uh, meanwhile, I am destroying it. <laughs> I am Belgian. I am a rapacious, cannibalistic Belgian cannibalistic belgian i don't know probably i mean the belgians were the worst part of I mean, it, and we're saying a lot here at the moment because everything white people did in africa in the 1880s was horrifying yeah but the belgians were the worst yes and the book even properly recognizes that they're it, like yo if you pick belgian as your uh, nationality boy howdy you're a real piece of shit yeah you get renowned for like being horrible to people it's, yeah you yeah. get renowned for being like if 
normally you would lose renown or you would get nothing for being like, oh, I whip people or I'm a huge asshole. Yeah. Oh, no, not if you're Belgian. No, then you get a phone call from King Leopold, and he's like, oh, hello, I hear you are so muscly. Oh, I heard you whip the guy for no reason. I have a Belgian accent. You don't know what that is. I don't know what Belgians sound like. Well, they speak three languages. They speak French, German, and Walloon in Belgium, so you can prick anywhere between any of those and you're fine. Yeah, you don't know what Walloon sounds like. Fuck off. (laughs) I kind of do, actually. I have a little Belgian family, but but anyway. Yeah, I have a little Belgian family. <laughs> little they, stay, they stay in my closet. <laughs> they're in there subjugating the cockroaches. <laughs> they're, it's basically like the borrowers, except they're just straight up awful. It's like the colonizers. <laughs> this tiny Belgian family lives in my walls, and ah, they come out and subjugate my pets. We are invading darkest Jeff's house. <laughs> Dankest Jeff's house. <laughs> Well, some parts of my house are medium dank. <laughs> medium to strong dank. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, I Your favorite thing. My favorite thing, that. as I mentioned, was the yeah. the uh, the suggestions for how to retool the classes to reflect interesting parts of like African story or, or uh, African pop culture. Yeah. Or not African. White pop culture about Africa. Yes. Uh, which is very different. Like they mentioned, the funny thing to me in this book is how much they want you to know 100% for certain that this is not a steampunk game, so quit asking. Yeah. Like I'd say just in the G- in the player guide, like six times, they're like, there are no airships. Quit asking about airships. <laughs> no one has a walker. Just no, stop it. There are no giant walkers. The only cool gun is the Maxim gun, and even that shouldn't actually be here. <laughs> That's barely allowed. It's almost anachronistic to be here. It is completely anachronistic to be there in that time period. They just decided that that was the line they were willing to break, was to put the Maxim gun in and not the Gatling. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I, I like those little stories because they tell they, they bring us hope of a world where someone plays this game in a bit more of a pulpy way. Yep. All right. John, what would you say is your medium favoritest thing about this game? <laughs> I'm adding a new category. Oh, we're just going to keep going. <laughs> no. All right. Three quarters of the way. What's your, <laughs> what's your 20% favorite? On your top ten favorite things for this. Now, uh, John, of your top ten things that will mi- uh, blow your mind and make you cry about Dark Continent. <laughs> Number seven, you won't believe. <laughs> What's the one I would believe the least? <laughs> there was a ghost in the book. Oh, yeah. I do not believe that at all. It flew away and went into a Casper mattress. Hi there. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> we're done. We're done with the Casper now. Oh, I forgot. We said we were going to be done with the Casper mattresses. <laughs> we're doing something different later. <laughs> Uh, Fine. Uh, what would you say is your least favorite thing about this book? Uh, I mean, we did already discuss the tonal dissonance, but I'm going to say uh, much more specifically, it's the fact that they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially in the GM guide, there is a lot of points where they're like, hey, here's an aside. Yo, we straight up understand that what people were doing here was really awful. Uh, the slave trade was a disgusting thing that happened. Uh, we know that like the actual taking of and colonizing of all these places in Africa just super fucked up the entire area forever. Yeah. Uh, but incidentally, here's you have six willpower. Have fun. Yeah. And that was the problem is all of those asides would always be like two paragraphs and then it would immediately just go back into what it was doing. Yeah. It It's the fact that not just that they have the tonal dissonance, but that they know they do that and they don't care. It'd be like if the Holocaust Memorial ended on a, with a Nazi roller coaster you get to go on. <laughs> Dude, how badass would that be, though? You have, to, you have to go through this Holocaust Memorial and be like, oh, this is all making me sad. I am I am aware that this is a terrible period. Anyway, welcome aboard the Waffen SS Superflip. You get, you, get you get to ride around on this cool roller coaster and shoot light guns at flying Jews. <laughs> flying 
Jews. You get 50 points if you get a flying one. That's that's the kind of thing you get here. That's that's the way it feels. Where you're like, hey, we're fully aware that this is all terrible. Anyway, to kill an African. Yeah, it's like this is this is a very serious fucked up time and boy, it was it was a very dangerous time for everyone involved and nothing good came of this anyway here's a cool half rhino half hippo creature that you could ride and you're like oh, what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> hey maybe that's gonna be next world of warcraft expansion nice 1880 sub-saharan africa let's do it come on blizzard <laughs> i know you want to get real real racist in man this. let's get in there and earn and get revered with these people but for selling enough torrin <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that was mine. What is your least favorite thing in the book? Um, there's so many things in this book that are kind of objectionable. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take the the uh, other aspect of the careers, which is that the careers are kind of divided up along white versus not white lines. Yeah, well, a lot of them have a you have to be a specific nationality or you specifically can't be this nationality to do it. Right. For example, if you want to play as a dude who was in the British military, you're playing as either a soldier or an officer. If you want to play as a dude who was in the Sikh military, then you're playing a warrior because they, they focus on hitting dudes with axes and throwing ninja stars. and Or you could be a Giselle guy and you could be a shootist. Yeah, a shootist. So the, but the, notably, the warrior and the Wangwana are both like, oh, these are for crazy, like the craziest of black people. It's kind of, well, Wangwanas are kind of like opportunistic, but warrior is straight up, you are tribal culture angry, swinging a bone club around and hooting type situation. Yeah, I mean, the example they have is like, oh, here was a tribal warrior that got outcast, but he's still trying to get his own honor back, and he'll run around with a bone axe and beat the shit out of things at the drop of a hat. It sounds rad, but it's like, why, why isn't he just using the soldier class? Yeah, because you're like, dude, just, just he'll take melee instead of like long arm come on man yeah it doesn't it's it's just weird that it feels like it needs to be separated and even then they still kind of apply a little bit of a palliative to it by saying oh some of the really crazy scotsmen can also be uh warriors yeah if you're like i'm a gordon highlander like like those kind of dudes i like i'm gonna throw a big log at you yeah that's what you're gonna do you're running around africa with a fucking caber Uh uh-huh yeah you're like ah i'm gonna throw cabers at you and invent golf with your bulls (laughs) you're you're hot nuts (laughs) So, uh, anyway, I thought some of that, some of the divisions of what, like, Sikhs can be or what Arabs can be and so on were were a little too pushing the line. Yeah, I, it was, it's just, it's just not good. It's just not good. (laughs) I can't. They're not good dogs, Brent. I can't articulate how sad I am at certain things in this. We knew this was going to happen. I mean, the cover of this book by itself deserves a whole review. I mean, just that... That explores Dongus. So the cover of, if you ever look, well, you'll see it on the uh, the website for us, but uh, also if you ever just Google it up, if you're listening to this on a phone or something, the cover is some kind it of- It is Crocodile Dundee with a big swangin' dong. Oh, yeah. Like, the, the, note how the eye lines are drawn directly to the Wangus. Yeah. Like, you can't look at this without going, whoa, that dude's not only packing, but he's, like, taking his pants and tucking them up under his dick to give more dick definition. <laughs> oh, yeah, you've got a golden ratio going off of that guy's dick. There's a lot more extra work done. Like, I feel like he's manscaping a bit with just the pants situation to be like, and indeed, the lines are all drawn straight to my wang. I'm going to fuck the shit out of Africa. <laughs> and indeed, he did. Yeah. So the cover is... Ugh. So, uh, so yeah, we knew... We knew this was going to be a problem, but well, John, the second you give me a book that's called Dark Continent to review, I'm like, well, 
John, what would you, would you say you would play this game? I would not. I again, while I like the systems involved in it, I think mechanically a decent game. Who I would not be able to play this. I would be like, guys, I can't. I can't. Like, I just, I can't. I can't do this. All right, guys. Uh, session one. Let's all set down. What's everyone doing? I leave Africa. Uh, all right. I'm out. I, I leave Africa and I take all the white people I can get with me. All that's, of them. That's I take uh, all the white people. How, can I roll to see how many white people are willing to come with me and not do this? <laughs> none just, of them. None just, of them are willing to just not do any of this. All of them are super interested in doing this. I'm sorry, <laughs> but I would like to pass on doing any of this. All right, you can. You may leave. All right, great. Thank you. Yay, I win. I'm gonna go play Mario Kart. Yay. <laughs> so, so you wouldn't play it? No, definitely not. It is, as mentioned, just a game you probably shouldn't have made. Mm-hmm. So, Jeff, would you play it? Oh, hell yeah. Oh, obviously. Get me five CCs of this game immediately. Oh, I know that you are super into this. Oh, man, I'm going to roll up so many Germans. You have no idea. <laughs> There's no Germans. They're Prussians. Wait, aren't there both? There's Germans and Prussians. Yeah, because Prussia isn't all of Germany. You can play as a German or a Prussian. Yeah. Uh, but but no, I wouldn't play this either. It's It, it, it doesn't really hold any interest to me. I mean, I, if I was really interested in, for my own edification confronting the the horrors of the dark period of africa's explorative history well yeah it's it's one of those things where i'm like if the book had done a very serious take and you had a gm who was like no i am very very well versed in this historically i know what's going on and i want to take you guys on an emotional journey i would still pass well i know you would still because pass. i would want to just read a book about it i don't want to turn it into a game yeah it's true i mean Having it be like, oh, you have malaria. You need to sleep for an extra D6 hours. You're like, oh, come on. I don't care. Just tell me about the Belgian Congo. <laughs> Actually, please don't tell me We're, about the Belgian we'll, Congo. We'll get, I don't want to be sad. We'll get there in level four. And I'm like, I could just, oh, I could just be reading about this instead. This is a waste of my time. If if the purpose of this is to educate me about what about the uh, the rape of su Sub-Saharan Africa, there are way better ways I could do it. True. So So, no, I would still not play this game. There you go. All right, so there you go. Uh, no one would play this. No one, ever. That said, it wasn't a terrible thing to read. No, it was, like like I said, it's very interesting mechanically, mm -hmm. and, man, just reading through it, though, you're like, this, this fucking tonal whiplash is just messing with my shit. <laughs> that is true. All right, folks, so as always, thank you so much for visiting us here on the System Mastery Podcast. I've been Jeff. That's been John. Uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks for another episode of System Mastery. But in the meantime, let's talk about what else we've got going on. We've got Movie Mastery, which, John, I know you want to plug that Movie Mastery poll for the month. I do. We are, God, this month. Neck and neck and neck and neck. There are four movies that, going down the line, are each within one vote of the next one. Yeah. It is insanely close at this point. If you have not voted yet, get in there. Go to the thesystemmasterypodcast.com. Go under our movies in theaters now. There's a poll there, and it is just ridiculous how close everything is right now. So every vote counts. Yeah. Get out there and vote. Rock the vote. <laughs> I need you to vote or die. I can't remember any of the other slogans. Vote or die. So, yeah. There's I'm coming to your house to kill you. <laughs> so, uh. So yeah, Movie Mastery, it will be out next week with another one. Uh, we I have, I have no idea if it's going to be in theaters now or not. We may have to push it back a bit, but there will still be one. Uh, and then also, because we hit our most recent Patreon goal, we made $1,000 an episode, which, good lord, we can't thank you enough for. Uh, 
we now are doing weekly Expounded Universe. So an episode came out yesterday, and then going forward, there's just going to be one a week. Just every goddamn week. Until we run out of Star Wars books or time stops, whichever comes first. Uh, I'm almost certain the latter. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that we will literally never run out of Star Wars material. Yes. So that's awesome. So thank you so much for helping us hit that goal. Uh, folks have been asking me if there's a new goal coming. I actually don't know. <laughs> we we uh, Our time is, you know, for two unemployed guys, you'd think we have all the time in the world, but... You really don't. You can only make so many podcasts. There's only so many funny things I have to say about nerd properties. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I uh, One of the things we saw in Wisconsin was just randomly some, like, petting zoo farm thing mm-hmm. on the side of a road. Just random tourist trap thing. It was amazing. There were all these, like, pygmy goats and little potbelly pigs, and it was a giant bison and an elk, and it was awesome. But one of the uh, the pygmy goats was out of its pen and just running around, and it was like a puppy. It would just like run up and kind of like jump up on you, and was like, "I want food. I'm a tiny baby pygmy goat." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I want this." Are you saying you want to add a pygmy goat goal? What I'm saying is every goal from now on is just farm animals until we hit that pig. <laughs> But the pig is at the very minimum of where we could probably afford to own a farm animal between us. Eh. <laughs> I'm not doing like $1,500. We'll buy a goat. Where am I going to put it? No, not the goat. We don't start with the goat, obviously. Oh, God. So where do we start? Like a duck? I mean, we're going to start with something small. We'll be like, yo, guys, we'll get like a prairie dog. Well, like, <laughs> we won't not even, a farm animal. We won't even keep it. We'll just put it in the backyard and let it burrow around. <laughs> Oh yeah, guys! We opened up a prairie dog farm. We're uh, we're milking it. Yeah, we're we're milking this prairie dog. <laughs> if you know what I mean. Wink for likes and and retweets. Likes and retweets. No, that's the name of the couple that we bought. The bonded pair of <laughs> prairie dogs was likes and retweets. <laughs> Perfect. So uh, anyway, there will probably be other goals coming on the Patreon. I just We haven't figured out what exactly. Probably more AP content. Who knows? But anyway, as always, you can support us on that Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash systemmastery. Give us a dollar if you haven't already. If you do that, you unlock our bonus content. For example, we're about to go make characters in uh, Dark Continent. Yeah, and, we're going to make some dudes. And bring that to you. Otherwise, uh, you can find us at SystemMasteryPodcast.com or System Mastery on Facebook, Gmail, Twitter, Reddit, or our System Mastery Discord chat channel, which you can find by going to our Twitter, the System Mastery Twitter, and looking at the only uh, sticky tweet we've ever made, which is a link to our Discord. So come on in and say hi to all the people in there. They're in there right now talking about hot dogs or donkeys or something. I don't know. They're all super friendly. Everyone's great. It's a great time. It's a good time. It's a great place to be. It's a good, great time. It's a great, great, good, great time. Tony the Tiger is in there right now, jizzing his pants over how great it is. And he's not even wearing pants. That's how great it is. He's just holding them in front of him, (laughs) jizzing them. Gross. Thank you so much for listening. (laughs) 